Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number one of Revelation chapter 12, and we're going to be reading the first two verses, Revelation 12, verses 1 and 2. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. And she, being with child, cried, travailing in birth and pain to be delivered. And I'll stop reading there. Now, we've been um, pretty intently going through chapter after chapter in the book of Revelation that has been focused on Judgment Day. Back in Revelation chapter 6, God, um, towards the end of the chapter, spoke of Judgment Day. And in chapter 7, some information had to do with Judgment Day. Chapter 8 was language concerning the judgment on the churches. And then uh, Revelation 8, verse 13, the last verse, shifted and transitioned the topic to the judgment on the world. Revelation 9, uh, very much focused on the judgment of the unsaved people of the world and also the judgment on those in the churches at the point of the judgment on the world. And then we got into the three woes and and the second woe carried us through Revelation 10 who uh, in that chapter God once again was discussing the judgment of the world. In Revelation 11, he went back to the beginning of the church age and carried us through all the way through the Great Tribulation back to Judgment Day as we have just concluded that uh, chapter and and that very great focus uh, in the last several verses of Revelation 11 on the Day of Judgment. And now in Revelation 12, God is backpedaling in a sense, or he's returning to the point of the birth of Christ, and then once again the establishing of the New Testament church age in Revelation 12, followed in Revelation chapter 13 with the great tribulation and the judgment on the churches and then again in Revelation 14, 15, and 16, we'll have uh, another uh, very intense uh, period of, of Scripture that is just in verse after verse, hammering home Judgment Day, Judgment Day, the end of the world. And, and so God has done this before, again, during the second woe and uh, the beginning of Revelation 11. He goes back and covers ground that has already been covered, but it's a review, it's a reminder, and it's always good for us to be reminded of the truth of the Bible, whatever that truth is. And and if God thinks it's wise, if God thinks it's appropriate, and the, the point where we should now 
take a step back and and uh, once again consider the coming of the Lord and and how the uh, church age was set up and and then the judgment on the church following that. Well, then, fine. That is exactly what we'll do. And that's the benefit and the blessing that comes with going through the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter, and and we're going through, uh, we're not um, skipping over anything, we're not avoiding anything, we're, we're trying to face everything the Bible says, and we're following the direction that God leads us. And if he wants to go uh, again to Christ's coming, then we go to Christ's coming. And, and so this uh, tells us here that the book of Revelation is not written in chronological order. And anyone trying to force chapter 12 to fit somehow after chapter 11, if you've been following along, you've seen along with us that we're just at the seventh trumpet, it's judgment day, it's the final end of mankind. Well, all right, God took us there, and in order for him to continue, and he does want to um, tell us more, he wants to reveal more truth, he's going to now uh, take us back to a beginning point, and then lead us once again, maybe from a slightly different perspective, that will come at the same topic of the final judgment from a different angle. And we'll be uh, blessed. This is how God has written the Bible. He again and again repeats himself, and he just pounds an issue home again and again. And we uh, find some wise counsel concerning this in Second Peter chapter 1, where it says in verse 12, Wherefore I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though ye know them, and be established in the present truth. Yea, I think it mean, as long as I am in this tabernacle, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance, knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ has showed me. Moreover, I will endeavor that you may be able after my decease to have these things always in remembrance. So that's the nature of the Bible. God is going to remind us to bring us to remembrance, though we know them. And that says a lot, really, about our nature, about ourselves. We are forgetful hearers. We are quick to forget the things that God has said to us. And so he has to continually, um, repeatedly talk about it again and talk about it again. And it is a good thing for us to be reminded. Well, let's go uh, into verse 1 of Revelation 12. And again it says, And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. And then verse 2 tells us she is with child and and travailing in birth and pain to be delivered. And as we go on, we see she brings forth a man-child. Now, this is referring to 
the body of true believers. It's not referring to Mary, because the same woman, uh, a little later, is said to flee into the wilderness, where she's hid of God and nourished for uh, 1260 days. And that never historically happened to Mary. She was the um, woman that God used to bring forth Christ, literally. But here, God has in view the elect, not Israel, not the corporate body, as Israel in the Old Testament was the corporate body, just as the church in the New Testament was the corporate body that represented God's kingdom on earth, because this woman is clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. Now, the the sun represents the Lord Jesus Christ himself, and to be clothed with Christ indicates righteousness and and that was never true of Old Testament Israel, the corporate entity, and it wasn't true of the New Testament corporate body either, but it's always been true of the true believers, of the elect. And when we look at these things, the, the clothing with the sun and the moon under her feet and the crown of twelve stars, we'll see that they do point to the eternal church, which is comprised only of elect. Well, but let's look at this first statement at the beginning of verse 1. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven. Now, the Greek word translated as wonder is simeon. It's uh, Strong's number 4592, and it's equally translated as sign or miracle. That is, if you're reading the New Testament, um, you may find this word translated as wonder, as as it is here in Revelation 12.1 and also in verse 3. Or you can find it translated as miracle, as it is several times when Jesus performs certain miracles. This word is used to, to speak of them. Or it's translated as sign. And we're going to look at that a little bit. In Matthew 24, this word, Simeon, is found a few times. In Matthew 24, the first time in verse 3. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? What sign will you give us? Now, uh, in a little bit, we'll... Uh, well, no, let, let's do that now, and then we'll come back to Matthew 24, because this is important, that uh, Jesus answers some Jews that requested or, or maybe demanded, is a better word, a sign from him earlier in the Gospel of Matthew. Um, in Matthew 16... In the first few verses, beginning in verse 1, it says there, The Pharisees also with the Sadducees came, and tempting desired him that he would show them a sign from heaven. And that's that that same word, Simeon. He answered and said unto them, When it is evening, ye say it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and lowering. O ye hypocrites, you can discern 
the face of the sky, but can ye not discern the signs of the times? And that's the same word, plural. And then in verse 4, a wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given unto it, but the sign of the prophet Jonas. And he left them and departed. And so uh, I think it's five times in those few verses that same word is used, and it's translated every time as sign. They came and and desired of Jesus, show us a sign from heaven. Show us a sign from heaven. And and Jesus first um, points out that they can discern the face of the sky. They're able to look at um, some of the indicators that that is in the physical realm, in the sky above them. That's heaven. Uh, the Bible refers to three heavens. So Jesus is saying, you can see the physical signs in the physical heaven, in the sky above you, and you're able to determine, according to the signs, the weather to a certain degree. But you cannot determine the signs of the times. And and uh, notice uh, he says, A wicked and adulterous uh, generation seeketh after a sign, and no sign will be given unto it. No sign. Now, uh, but then Christ goes on to say, but the sign of the prophet Jonah. It's almost a contradiction. I'm not going to give you a sign, but I'll give you this sign of Jonah. Well, it's not a contradiction, because when when Jesus answers them and says, no sign shall be given unto it. The, the wicked and adulterous generation seeketh a sign. Where do they seek it? They want something in the physical realm. They want something they can see, feel, touch, sense. They they want something that is material, something that uh, is uh, obvious, and and then they will believe. No such sign will be given, and ever no sign will be given that is physical. You will not receive a sign to prove in this case that he is the Messiah or, or, um, when the disciples ask, as we read, what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? We can, we can be absolutely certain it will not be a physical sign. It will not be in the, the sky above as man can determine the signs of the weather and he can, he can see and know when things are physical. No, no. So that is an answer to them. No sign, no physical sign shall be given, but the sign of the prophet Jonas. That's the sign the Bible allows, or God allows, and God gives. Yes, if you want to know, is Christ Messiah. If you want to know if this is he, or if you want to know the sign of his coming and of the end of the world. And and by the way, isn't that something that the disciples would dare ask that kind of thing? 
how uh, arrogant, how, uh, I mean, just think uh, what the church would answer today to the disciples' question, what shall be the sign of thy coming of the end of the world? The, the answer, the response from the church is, no man knows. That is your answer. Don't even look into it. Don't even speculate about these things. Don't even consider signs of comings and the end of the world. Because when the disciples are asking that, what are they really asking? How can we know when will be the sign of your coming in the end of the world? How can we know when the world will end? And it's highly significant, highly significant that Jesus does not rebuke them. He does not um, say to them, and this would be a perfect place to say it, um, it, oh, it's not for you to know. Don't don't enter into this area of uh, thought. Don't ask these types of questions. You just focus on what you should focus on. Jesus doesn't do that. As a matter of fact, he goes on in Matthew 24 throughout the chapter answering their question. And, and then we read of the falling away and, and false prophets coming and, and that relates to the great tribulation period. And he even specifically names the great tribulation. And then we get into the transition to judgment day immediately after the tribulation, the sun is darkened and so forth. And the references to Noah and the references to Sodom and Gomorrah. And, and when we check out those historical events that picture the end of the world. And remember, that is the question Christ is answering when he speaks of the flood and he speaks of the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. When we go back into the book of Genesis, we find God forewarned Noah before the flood. God forewarned Lot before destroying Sodom and Gomorrah. And, and, and of course... Um, if you're going to get a sign of the coming and of the end of the world, well, you need to receive that sign before it actually happens. It, it's sort of like uh, thinking um, that God comes to Noah after the flood and after uh, the ark is lifted up by the water and says, uh, all right, here, here now is the sign of the flood. Well, well, that's ridiculous. I don't need a sign now about the flood. Uh, I'm, I'm in the ark and the water is already covering the earth. But seven days before, or 120 years before, when God comes to Noah and tells him to build the ark, that's a sign. And then more specifically, seven days prior to the flood, when the Lord says, yet seven days and I will destroy the earth. That's a sign that's pointing to a specific occurrence, and and that's what the disciples are asking. What shall be that sign of your coming in the end of the world? Well, in order to answer, it must follow the biblical principle that no sign will be given in evil and adulterous generation, no physical sign. But, the sign of the prophet Jonah. Now, how 
do we learn about the sign of the prophet Jonah? If you heard Christ uh, that day long ago speak to these Pharisees, and you heard Jesus refer to the sign of the prophet Jonah, how could you learn about that sign? You uh, maybe never heard of Jonah. Well, the only way to learn about the sign of the prophet Jonah is to read about it in the Bible, because God has written and, and given us the book of Jonah, four chapters in the Old Testament, and then we read of the Lord um, sending the prophet Jonah to Nineveh, and 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 Jonah fleeing, and, and then um, being cast overboard and swallowed by a whale, and vomited out on dry ground right at the shores of Nineveh, and then going into the city and and proclaiming, yet forty days and Nineveh will be destroyed. Well, now you can find out about the sign of the prophet Jonah. And where did you discover the information about that sign? In the Bible. In the Bible. That's the key. That's what Jesus is saying. No sign, no physical outward manifestation, there'll be no indicator in the world, in other words, that will point to his coming in the end of the world. You can't learn about the end of the world uh, because um, a communist country has taken over other countries. Or you can't learn about the end of the world because... Um, there, there's great evil as there was in World War II and, and with the, the concentration camps. That has nothing to do with it. You can't learn the signs regarding political events or the death of famous people or men who rise up and men who are put down has nothing to do with it. Take your eyes off of that and put it on the sign of the prophet Jonah. Go to the Bible. And in the Bible, God speaks of the sign of his coming and the end of the world. And that's where and only there that a person can learn. Now, also in Matthew 24, we we read in verse 29, Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall, from heaven, and the powers of the heaven shall be shaken. And then in verse 30, And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn. And they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Now, what some people say is that's the actual end of the world. That is the uh, literal coming of Christ, you can see him with your eyes. Well, again, what kind of sign is that? What kind of sign is it when the world's being destroyed right before your eyes? That's not a sign. That's the reality. That's the actual uh, happening that's taken place. There's no sign involved. What shall be the sign of thy coming and and of the end of the world? The sign has to be given first. 
And then you can learn of the reality that the sign points to. And here, immediately after the tribulation, and the great tribulation began on May 21, 1988, and uh, continued for 23 years until May 21, 2011. Then immediately after the tribulation, we, we read this in verse 30, and then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man. Well, let's go over to Luke 21. In Luke 21, it says, and, uh, and I'll start reading in verse 24, And they shall fall by the edge of the sword, and shall be led away captive into all nations, and Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles, until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. Now that's very familiar language to the child of God who has been studying these things. It's language describing the uh, judgment on the churches as judgment begins at the house of God. It fits in perfectly with Revelation 11 as God likens the church to Jerusalem and Satan and his emissaries are the the Gentiles that come against the church and trod down um, the camp of the saints and so forth until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. He was given it was given to him to continue for the duration of the Great Tribulation. Again, the Great Tribulation ended on May 21, 2011, after an exact 8,400 days. Well then, look at verse 25 of Luke 21. And there shall be signs in the sun, and in the moon, and in the stars, and upon the earth distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring. In the other account, in Matthew 24, and also in Mark 13, it just says the sun is darkened and the moon does not give its light. Here God adds a very important statement that these things are signs. They're signs in the sun. Now if the sun were literally darkened, that's not a sign. That's the reality of the end of the world. But if the sun is darkened spiritually, if the door of heaven shuts... And if the light of the gospel is put out spiritually, that is a sign. And where can that sign be found? On the pages of the Bible. Only the Bible. It's telling us, uh, just as Matthew 24.30 said, when it referred to the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, signs can only be discerned in the word of God. And by using this word, God is actually uh, revealing to us that judgment day will not be seen by the physical eye, but by the spiritual eye, the eye of faith of the one found searching the scriptures. That That is where we'll see the sign of the Son of Man. That is where we will see the signs in the sun and the moon and the stars. Remember, an evil and adulterous generation looks for a physical sign. We must look in the Bible. And by God's grace, that's where he's led us to look and to see and to be able to understand these things that God has done at this point in time in the day of judgment. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. 
You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.